Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Give Me Liberty. My name is James Wilson and today we'll be talking about Nancy Pelosi and impeachment. Iran, including Qasem Soleimani and the War Powers Resolution and immigration. Alright, a lot to get to today, so let's just hop right into it first with Nancy Pelosi's attempt to hold the articles of impeachment uh, from the Senate. So, if you haven't heard, recently Nancy Pelosi, they voted on impeachment, impeachment passed, so Trump is now the third president to be impeached. But Nancy Pelosi won't give the articles of impeachment to the Senate because in her words, she wants a fair trial in the Senate. Some of the concerns already is that they need to wait for more evidence, that they want to, the Senate to have witnesses. They want a quote-unquote proper trial in the Senate. The White House makes an interesting point about this. Let me just read it. They say, quote, Will Nancy Pelosi ever send the two House articles of impeachment to the Senate? Senate? We're going on three weeks since the House voted, and Congress is back in session. But the House Speaker said Tuesday she wants to see that kind of trial the Senate will hold before she she dines to employ House managers to make their case. This is a parody of impeachment. House Democrats said that they wanted to rush vote before Christmas because President Trump posed a clear and present danger. But now the urgency is gone. It also runs afoul of the Constitution, which gives the House the sole power of impeachment and the Senate the sole power to try all impeachments. So there are a couple of points that the White House said in an email that I think are really good and I think we should talk about. So the first one being, they mentioned that the Democrats have been pushing impeachment like crazy. They wanted to get the vote done before Christmas. They rushed it through. They got the vote only because there was enough Democrats in the House. Not a single senator, no, sorry, not a single Republican voted for it. But now all of a sudden the urgency is gone. They go from saying that President Trump posed a clear and present danger, and that's why you have to renew remove him right now. But now it's being held up. The urgency is gone because Nancy Pelosi... I don't even know what Nancy Pelosi is trying to do with this. She knows it will not pass the Senate. There's a Senate majority in the, in there's a Republican majority in the Senate already, and you have to get two thirds the vote to officially pass impeachment. So really, she knows this thing's not going to pass. Now there's some gray area between, say, next election, Donald Trump wins again, but there becomes a Democrat. Democratic majority in the Senate. Could they then put the bills forward for the Senate to pass? There, There's a little gray area in that. Obviously, I consider that cheating. I don't think that's fair to wait until you have the majority. This is obviously fueled by, by the hate for Trump already. As I've already stated, not a single Republican voted for this in the House. So if there's such an urgency, why are they not giving it to the House? One of the things, the biggest thing that they're talking about is they want to make sure that the Senate has witnesses. However, the House could have done this. 
they could have been the ones who said, hang on, let's slow this thing down. Let's figure out what happened. We Let's call in more witnesses. There's specific witnesses that the House wants the Senate to bring in, but why didn't they do that? Why didn't they bring in those witnesses for their testimony? There's a lot of confusion about this whole thing. There's really no point in Nancy Pelosi holding these articles anymore, and there have actually been Democrats who from the Senate who said, all right, let's just get this thing over with, that we have issues that we need to focus on in the Senate, we need to get this out of the way, send the impeachment articles over. There are a famous case, actually, Adam Smith said that, and a couple hours later, he tweeted on Twitter saying basically he took back the entire thing and that Nancy Pelosi was right. The funny thing is Nancy Pelosi actually talked to him in the time being, so whatever Nancy Pelosi said, I don't know. I find this whole thing very ridiculous. Why don't they give the articles to the Senate already? There's no point in holding them. If you said you want a fair trial in the Senate, you 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 say you did that in the House. If you wanted more witnesses to be called in the Senate, why didn't you do that when you had the opportunity? They said... I played a clip a couple of episodes ago in the podcast. They didn't want to wait for evidence. They didn't want to wait for this and that. Now that's coming back on them as they have to press um, move this forward. Nancy Pelosi, however, did say that she would be handing over the articles, quote-unquote, soon. No one has any idea what soon means. Is that within the next few days, within the next few weeks? No one knows, and people are skeptical if this is actually even going to happen. Okay, so that's enough about impeachment today. We'll get back to that in my next episode, which will be on Monday. I'm not doing an episode over the weekend. So now let's get to the major news of the week, which is Iran. So as you may know, the United States of America launched a missile attack drone strike on Qasem Soleimani. He was widely considered the second to power in Iran if their leader was to die, he would likely have taken over. He was the general, and to put it lightly, he was a terrorist. He killed and injured thousands of American soldiers, and recently he killed one and injured four. Now that alone is very, very, very bad, especially the fact that he killed hundreds of American servicemen and women in uniform. He also supported terrorist groups. Another reason why he's widely considered a terrorist by both Democrats and Republicans. Everyone recognized that this guy was a really bad guy. So he had many plans. First, he killed American service members and injured others. He planned the attack on the embassy. And Donald Trump suggested that he also planned to blow up the embassy, embassy, all things that a terrorist would do. Again, there's not very much disagreement on this. Most people recognize that Qasem Soleimani was a very bad guy. Now, over the course of the Obama administration, the United States had basically been paying Iran to not, to not make missiles. The deal only went for a couple more years, but the United States was giving tons of money to Iran, obviously a bad idea. What you really need is deterrence, and this is exactly what Donald Trump is doing. 
Iran knows they can't go to the war with the United States. They would lose. They would be obliterated. It would be a bad war, but Iran would be completely obliterated. They can't do that. What the United States needs to do is when Iran does stuff like kill our service members, when they try to blow up our embassy, we need to to practice the idea of deterrence. And that's exactly what happened here with killing Qassam Soleimani. It showed Iran that the United States was not going to stand for what he was doing, and if Iran continued to do so, they would they would do things like they did to Salami, blow him up in a drone strike near the airport. Now this worked really well. They got one of Iran's top guys, Qasem Soleimani, who was a bad guy, no disagreement there. And Iran launched a missile attack funded by the Obama administration who paid Iran money to not produce nuclear weapons for the next like five years. Very bad idea. You have to deter Iran from doing these types of bad things. But they launched these missiles, ballistic missiles, at an American base, American Iraqi base in Iraq. All of them, almost all of them missed. There was very little damage done to the base. And luckily and fortunately, no one died. Now what Iran is doing is they're telling their people that 30 to 80 people died and they got revenge on this. They're obviously showing signs that that deterrence is working. They obviously missed on purpose. You can't, you don't just miss 20 missiles. You don't just miss a base with 20 missiles. Word has come out that they even warned Iraq before they shot the missiles that they were going to shoot the missiles at them so that they should get out. So this was planned to show, they wanted to show their people that they weren't going to stand up to it, but in reality, they can't really do anything about what Trump's done, which is which is showing us that Iran is standing back in all of this, and hopefully that will prevent things like an embassy trying to be blown up by Iran to happen in the future. So now the Democrats are very mad that Trump did this, and why is this? So this is... That is because of a War Powers Resolution passed by Congress a little while ago. Let's talk about what the War Powers Resolution is. There's a lot of divide between Republicans and Democrats on this. On both sides, Republicans disagree with each other, Democrats disagree with each other. So let's talk about what the War Powers Resolution is first. So it's a resolution that basically says that the president has to notify Congress Let's see, it says, requires the president to notify Congress within 48 hours of committing armed forces abroad. So if President Trump wanted to do something like he just did, he would need, within 48 hours of committing armed forces abroad, he would need to tell Congress what he was doing. So there are, just from saying that, there are many reasons why people will disagree with this Right away, many people are saying that it's unconstitutional. Many people are saying that it's constitutional, including uh, Mike Lee, who says that the War Power Resolution is constitutional and we need to be exercising this more, whereas you have other people who are supporting what Trump did. Now, tr what Trump did isn't actually illegal, and that's because of a bill passed after 9-11, which basically said that a president can take out a terrorist 
without congressional approval. So there's been a basic agreement that Qasem Soleimani was a very bad guy. He was a terrorist. So under this new bill, what President Trump actually did was very legal. The Democrats are very mad about this. They've been trying to pass things in the House. But what Trump did, what Trump did was legal. The Democrats should not be worrying about this. Well, now that we're talking about it, let's talk a little bit more about the War, War Powers Resolution, and let's talk about some pros and cons. Now, first, in the Constitution, there are different sections of it explaining what Congress and the executive branch can do. For example, Congress has the, be- the ability to declare war and to raise and support armies, um, whereas the executive branch can, um, they're the commander-in-chief, the president is the commander-in-chief of the army and navy and the militia, and, uh, and is called into service of the United States. So, what does this mean? So, there are a couple of pros to the War's Power Resolution. It, Congress helps keep the executive branch in check. Now, whether this is constitutional or not, we'll talk about that in a second, but it's important to mention that say there was a president who wanted to use nuclear bombs to take out Europe. This would obviously be a terrible idea. You would never want to do this. There's absolutely no reason to do it. It would start World War III. It would indirectly start a war right away. So there are obvious reasons why you would want Congress to be able to interfere with this because you need to keep the president in check. You can't just have the president doing whatever they want. That's why the Constitution gave Congress some powers over war, such as to declare to declare war and to provide and maintain a navy. That's why that's what the Constitution did to check the powers between the executive branch and the legislative branch. So you can indirectly start a war. The president, a really stupid president, for example, could do this. The war powers resolution helps keep this from happening. It's it's another checks and balance system. Um, it would be bad if we had any unchecked president and the war's power resolution would definitely help. Um, the second thing, I've already talked about this, but checks and balances. While there is debate if this check and balance is actually constitutional, which we will get to in a second, it makes sure that a president can't do completely crazy stuff that would pretty much start World War III, which is not what happened in Iran. Many, lots of people on, such as the media, are suggesting that what Trump did pretty much started World War III. This is not what we've been seeing. We've seen Iran stand down. We took out one of their leading terrorists, Qassam Soleimani. This was a very good move, and it established deterrence, something that we lost over the Obama administration. So now let's talk about some of the cons of the War Powers Resolution. Many people are debating whether this is even constitutional. As I stated earlier, I'll just read this again. This is from the Daily Wire. Uh, Here's what they say, quote, the Constitution famously divides foreign affairs powers between the legislative and executive branch. Among other enumerated powers in Article 1, Section 8, Congress has the ability to, quote, declare war and, quote, raise and support armies provide and maintain a military, make rules for the government and regulation of the land and naval forces, 
and provide for calling forth the militia and providing for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia. By contrast, Article 2 of the Constitution provides that the President shall be commander be commander in chief of the army and navy of the united states and of the militia of the united states of several states when called into actual service of the united states the very first clause of the article two also vests that the president with the executive power close quote so that's what daily wire said and this person jeremy boring is actually arguing that the war powers resolution is unconstitutional now, as I read this to you, it does say that the president shall be the commander-in-chief of the army. So there's been a debate on what that actually means. What, what does the commander-in-chief mean? What does it mean to be in control of the army and navy? Does that give them power to do that without the approval of Congress? Obviously, the president can't just declare war without the approval of Congress. But where, where, what, what ability does the president have in this? So there's a debate whether that's constitutional or not. I'm not going to talk about that this I'm not going to talk about my opinion much this episode. I just wanted to explain some of the pros and cons about the resolution and help you decide for yourself. But we can all agree that what Trump did was very successful. It established deterrence None of our members were hurt. We took out one of the top terrorists in the world, Kassam Soleimani, and he mentioned this in a rally that he had. The House of Representatives and Democrats and Democrats have been very partisan. Democrats hate Trump a lot. We've seen this from impeachment, and they'll do whatever it takes to stop President Trump, as they've been trying to impeach Trump over basically something that should not even be happening right now. So he mentioned this in his rally, what would have happened if Trump notified Congress? Now the thing is, they have been considering this for months. And when they got, he said, when they got details that where Kassam Solanami was, and it was the perfect chance to do this, he couldn't call up Congress and say, all right, we gotta do this. They would obviously disagree with him because it's fueled by the hate for Trump. They got a 30 minute time window Democrats could link it to the media, it could be a big thing, and all of a sudden, you can't take out one of the leading terrorists in the world, Kassam Solanami. So that obviously would not have worked very well. In, in this case, not notifying Congress worked very well. But if, for example, if another president wanted to use nuclear bombs, that's something that the Congress should be able to check. So those are just the pros, cons, arguments behind the war's power, war power resolution. Republicans disagree with other Republicans on this. Democrats disagree with other Democrats on this. It's a very complicated issue. But one thing is clear. What Trump did isn't actually illegal because of a bill passed after 9-11 that allowed a president to take out a terrorist without congressional approval. So a notable mention about Iran, which I will talk about in the next episode a little more. I won't go into too much detail today just because we're running short on time already. But every president has broken the war power resolution. Famous examples are Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, and Obama. And now what the Democrats are saying is Trump. Now the thing is, when Obama did these things, he did stuff to break the war powers resolution, 
Um, it had stuff to do with Middle East African countries. So what actually happened was the media asked the media asked Nancy Pelosi what she thought about the world's uh, war powers resolution, and she flat out said that she disagreed with the world po war war powers resolution, and that what Obama did was completely fine, and that yeah. So I won't go into too much more detail about that. I will be playing that next episode, but just just important to mention how partisan things have become. Nancy Pelosi agrees with Obama when Obama does it, but when Trump does something that's even legal, she disagrees with it because it's kind of related. So one last thing about Iran before I move on. We have the New York Times who posted an article saying that no one understands what Trump did or why he did it. I started reading this article and I was just in awe the entire time. There are a couple things I'll talk about this, but let me read parts of it first. I say, quote, Mr. Soleimani's killing was left a swirl of confusion among analysts, former policymakers, and academics. The United States had in, um, intended a sudden drastic escalation, drastic es escalation against a regional power risking fierce retaliation or even war. Why? Quote, there's not a single person that I've spoken to who can tell you what Trump is up to with Iran said Ellie, an analyst at the European Council of Foreign Relations. Part of the uncertainty is specific to President Trump, and resistance to accepting difficult trade-offs have made his goals on Iran difficult to parse. And then they later go on to say, to extreme ex escalations like killing Mr. Soleimani. Sorry, that's, that word is pretty hard to pronounce. So, let's get to some of the things they have said. First, they call this a drastic escalation on President Trump's part. It was not an escalation on the United States or President Trump's part because let's look at what Iran was doing before this happened. They even blew, tried to blow up our embassy just days before President Trump made the call to kill Qassam Soleimani. So this wasn't an ex escalation on our part, it was an escalation on Iran's part. And the theory of deterrence, you need to tell them that, that that's not okay and deter them from doing things like that in the future. So that's not an escalation by President Trump or the United States, it's an escalation of Iran. Additionally, they say, quote, risking fierce retaliation or even war. Now, the media has been pushing this narrative that we're now going to war because of this. This claim is pretty insane. We've already seen what Iran has been trying to do. They've been trying to settle down. They want to show their people that they're still strong about this. But they told Iraq that they weren't going to hit, that, that they were going to hit a base in their country an hour before it even happened so they could get people out and no one died. Now, Iran lied to their people saying that they killed people and they got their revenge, but they warned them before. This shows that Iran does not want to mess with the United States, which is showing that Trump's deterrence against Iran is actually working. Next thing, quote, there's not a single person that I've spoken to who can tell you what Trump is up to in Iran says Ellie, an analyst for the European Council of Foreign Relations. 
This is also crazy. I know tons of people who can tell you what Trump is up to Iran. He successfully deterred Iran from doing more things. There's actually a new poll out that says that almost 50% of people approve of what Trump did in Iran. So the fact that you can't name a single person who agrees with Trump on this, you must be talking to the wrong people because almost 50% of people agree with what Trump is doing. And then the last thing on this, it says, partly of part of the uncertainty is specific to President Trump, his impulsive style, his impulsive style and resistance, his impulsive style. Now, they did many press conferences and briefings on this. This is a decision they had considered for months. They just they considered all the outcomes. It obviously worked out very well. They successfully deterred Iran from doing more things. To say that this was this was made just this idea popped into his head one day and they did it the next day. That is false. That's not what happened. Now they had a specific time they had to do that because it had to be in the right circumstances, but this is something they had been considering for months. So just lots of crazy things from the, this New York Times article. It's really, I, I called it a lame New York Times article. It's not true, making many misleading claims, things like that. Okay, so now this will be a little quicker, but I just want to talk a little bit about immigration. So let me just read you a little bit from this article. It says, Many Latinos believe a citizenship question will be asked on the 2020 census and are less likely to participate. Uh, this is exacerbated by a hostile environment towards immigrants propagated by this administration. Now, I'm not going to focus so much on the actual idea that there's going to be a citizenship question on the 2020 census, but I want to focus on this idea that they don't want to do this because of the hostile environment towards immigrants propagated by this administration. So I'll just talk about this for a little bit and then we'll be done with this episode. But I hate it when people say that the word immigrant has become a bad word. That is very, very, very untrue. I've heard many people say it, and it bothers me whoever say, says it. What Trump has been doing with the border wall and his strict immigration policies is that he's enforcing the law. That if you want to come here, you have to come here legally. And if you're a legal immigrant, the word immigrant has not become a bad word. Trump has been working to solve the illegal, the illegal immigrant problem. So it's not the word immigrant that has become a bad word. It's not a hostile environment towards immigrants. We love immigrants. Everyone should accept and love immigrants. It's illegal immigrants that there's a problem with because they're undocumented. The United States does not know about them. And, and saying that people won't participate in the 2020 census because they're afraid of getting caught for being illegal, for being an illegal immigrant. Well, the point is, what Trump's trying to do is that we want all immigrants to be legal in this country. We want them to be documented. 
So it's not that there's a hostile environment towards immigrants. It's that Trump is trying to enforce the law when it comes to illegal immigrants. Okay, so that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening, and I will post a new episode on Monday.